Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm your moderator, and I am joined this week by Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Saludos de nuevo. Uh, by Worship Director Scott Reed. Yes! <laughs> I had to check my notes to see what your position was for the first time in 25 episodes. <laughs> and heir to the A.W. Tozer fortune, it's Bill Calvin. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Dan. Would you please pray for us? Sure. Lord, thank you so much for this afternoon. Thanks for the chance to be gathered here with these friends of mine, Lord, talking about things that are important to you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. May this be an hour, Lord, in which you are glorified above all things, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So the Would You Rather cards are back, right, Scott? No, they're not. <gasps> where are they? I don't know, Dan. Where are they? <laughs> I think they're in my garage. <laughs> Technically, they're the young families, and they got appropriated for the podcast, this, and I forgot this to return is true. them. This is true. The story of that is we, were, we recorded on episode zero, and at the end of that, Scott turns around, and there's all these games on the shelf in Dan's office, and he like takes one and just starts reading <laughs> Would You Rather cards to us, and we're like, that'll be part of the show. <laughs> so yeah. what do you got? All right, so today we're going to... Take a BuzzFeed quiz, oh, and it's called no. this. Let's see how normal your answers are to these movie would you rather questions. As a better mm. way to put so it, so it's based on percentage. I assume. Okay, um, but we'll find out at the end. Uh, I hope you're familiar with the movies. I am not familiar with all of them, um, but if you're not, just get hazard a guess. Sweet. All right, Dan, you're first. Would you rather be a tribute in the Hunger Games or explore the maze in Maze Runner? I've never seen the Maze Runner, but I have seen the Hunger Games. Can't imagine that being in the maze would be. Worse, worse. Than games, which you probably death. Someone who's seen Maze Runner is like screaming in their car right now. Okay. Like, Dan, it's so much worse. <laughs> Darn it, don't influence me. I'm going with the Maze Runner. All right, you'd rather explore the maze. Yeah. Doesn't All right. Sound that bad. Fifty-three percent agree with you. Wow. Max, would you rather be a Jedi in Star Wars or be a Hobbit in Lord of the Rings? It's a Jedi in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy one. You want the hairy feet? Seventy percent agree. They have no. I hope they give us like an overall at the end of how normal we are, because that's yeah. that's what I was counting on. But it's normal. showing us each time, so yeah. we'll see. Um, Bill, would you rather live in the Matrix or enter dreams in Inception? Uh, enter the Matrix. Matrix. Wow. All right. Uh, 42% agree with you. So you're in the minority. First one. I don't mind. All right. Would I? <laughs> They're wrong. Well, what do you want That's me to good. say? Uh, would I rather be a member of the Avengers or a member of the Justice League? Um, I guess I'm assuming I don't get to be one of them. I'm just me. But as a part of you're a voting member of the. Uh, I think I'll be a member of the Justice League because they have Superman. He'll probably keep me safe. Uh, But 80% disagree with me, which is what the MCU will do for you. Yeah, exactly. All right, Dan, would you rather watch the tape of The Ring or read the book of The Babadook? I don't know what The Babadook is, but I do know what The Ring is, and that terrifies me. So I'll do the Babadook thing and pray for the best. All right, you Scott, are in a sixty percent majority. You've seen the Babadook, yes? What is it? It's it's just a scary movie. Okay. I don't remember how the book plays into it, but the ending is really weird. You'll probably That's be fine. So what I remember, Max, would you rather be a plastic in Mean Girls or be a member of the Breakfast Club? I've never seen the Breakfast Club, which I guess insinuates that I've seen Mean Girls, which I'm not proud of, but it's true. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the Breakfast Club. All right, they seem like they uh, have sixty-four percent agree with you. Nice, Bill. Would you rather dance with Johnny Castle in Dirty Dancing or have Patrick Verona sing to you in Ten Things I Hate About You? Oh man, I want to dance. Fifty-three <laughs> <laughs> uh, percent agree with you. Would I rather fight with Billy the Great Hope from Southpaw or fight with Rocky Balboa from Rocky? 
Well, I haven't seen Southpaw, but I'm pretty sure Rocky lost. So I'm going to go with Rocky. 72% agree with me. Bill, uh, sorry, Dan, would you rather attend Hogwarts and Harry Potter or go to Narnia in the Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, oh that's a close. hard one. What? Not. <laughs> go to Narnia. All right. I'm probably in the minority. I don't think you are. By 23%, uh, oh, 23% yeah. agree with you. Um, it would be fun to be in the battle scene for Chronicles of Narnia when you oh, got yeah. all those creatures. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I figured I was going to be in the minority of that because Harry Potter is more mainstream than Narnia. Right, so. yeah. Well, see, my thought is if you go to Hogwarts, like you have magical powers, and that's pretty cool. But if you go to Narnia, you're just a person in Narnia. That's true. But you also get to hang out with Aslan. Not Maybe. necessarily. Maybe. He doesn't show up a lot of the <laughs> That's time. That's true. You just get to hear the story. You get to talk to animals, it. and they get to talk to you. Depending on what era Unless you're in. Uh, yeah. Like, depending on what time in Narnia's history you're in. be optimistic. Here. This is true. <laughs> well, yeah, that's fair. Um, let's get into topic of the week number one. <laughs> uh, the topic of the week number one is brought to you by Teen Discipleship Initiative. At Bloomingdale Church, we want to foster a culture of discipleship by pairing each of our teens with an adult who is committed to walking with them on their journey toward maturity in Christ. Making disciples is something that all Christ followers are called to do, and it can, be, it can have a profound impact on the life of the one discipling and the one being discipled. The Teen Discipleship Initiative, Jesus said to do it, so you have no excuse. For more information, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash discipleship initiative. Um, this is a good time, actually, Bill, for you to talk about the baptism service if you want to yes we're having baptism service on saturday and sunday there's people who've prepared they're ready to be baptized on each day and i'm pretty confident there's going to be people that just do it in the moment if that's offered which please remember to offer that scott and dan and max <laughs> and bill um, <laughs> so i think this is going to be wonderful to be part of witnessing People getting baptized, hearing their testimonies. Have you always done the thing where you open it up and just stand there and wait for somebody to... No, that's something that's maybe a year and a half, two years old. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, when we first were here, they weren't doing that yet. I remember the first time you did that. Yeah, it was super I don't cool. think I was here, but I think it was a big success. Yeah. Well, I felt convicted to do it because I preached a sermon on baptism and mm. all of them were baptized in the moment. It wasn't like, mm. you've attended class, you've got your testimony oh, ready. Sure. So there was, was 3,000 people just surging forward saying, I'm, I'm going to be baptized. I thought, we ought to offer that because mm. it is biblical. And, mm. and people did step forward and say, I want to do this right now. I think now. both services I've been at for baptism here have had people who have stepped up and said, in the moment and said, I want to get baptized. Super cool. Yeah. Um, so this week, how are we doing baptism? We're doing it by way of pouring water over their heads. Okay. Honestly, I wanted us to immerse, but that got turned down. And, sure. Okay. Better to declare your faith in Christ and be poured upon than to just let this go until COVID is over, which who knows how long that's going to be. Church needs to be doing important things like baptism and church membership and people getting saved. We, we shouldn't just say we're not doing anything eternal of eternal value until COVID right. ends. Yeah. Uh, this last week, Pastor David preached um, about the principle of, of the Sabbath. Um, so for our sermon follow-up for this week, um, I want to talk about takeaways. Um, but first, like, what is you guys' history of trying to build a Sabbath into your routine? Um, I think Scott, you and I at Wheaton, 
we kind of had the Sabbath both drilled into us and also kind of encouraged uh, just by how much work there was to do to not take a Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I ever successfully, even for like a couple weeks, like managed to really build a, a, a routine around a Sabbath. Have you guys? Well, in seminary, it was take off from pretty much Saturday night to Sunday night. So that was wonderful because it gave me a chance to clear my head out. And today it's better practiced by me on Friday than the other days because Friday is my day off. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Bill and I share the same day off, so we share the same <laughs> Sabbath. I think it's a, it's a great practice. I think it, it can be hard to – I go through seasons of when it's really easy to implement and sometimes when my mind is more full of things or I have more activities, it's sometimes harder to – to slow down and to hmm. shut off the brain, to hmm. turn off the computer, to turn off the email. Yeah. Even if it's on my day off, sometimes it's easy to open up the email and check. Hmm. So it's a, it's something that is a process, I feel like. Sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's more difficult. I do it by faith, honestly. That's what's great about a Sabbath. You have to trust God hmm. with that day to say, all right, you didn't want us to work and you said you're going to provide anyway. In my case, it's you don't want me to work on a sermon mm -hmm. if I'm preaching that week. So trust in you. And, and the neat thing is usually I'm all done before I even hit Friday. It's a rare time when I'm not. Mm -hmm. But if I weren't, it'd still be, you got to leave Friday alone and trust that you're going to be ready to go on Saturday night at 530. So I see it as an act of faith. It's been tricky for me, I think, um, in the last few years to really engage in the Sabbath properly. Because I think it's it's a challenge when, you know, both Saturday and Sunday I'm working, Tuesday to Friday I'm working. And so the only day that is free from work responsibilities is my day off, which as Bill and Dan were just talking about, you know, makes that sort of the likely candidate for your Sabbath. But then there's also like, well, this is my only day free from work responsibilities to get other things done that need to get done and that's difficult um so it's it's a an interesting balance to strike of finding the time to to do the things that need to be done outside of work and also have a sabbath so this past week after after pastor david finished his message and this won't work as well when things go back to normal because then i'm at the church usually until like one or later but nowadays i'm only at the church until like 10 on sundays and so Leah and I went home on Sunday, and, you know, I guess we technically worked in the morning to make the service happen, but as Pastor David said, you know, it's the Lord's Day, it's not our day, and and it was work very directly for the Lord and for the church, and so we did that, and then we went home, and, and we and we did our Bible reading for that day, for the 90-day Bible in 90 days, and then the rest of the day, you know, we just, we we did basically take a Sabbath, and then on Monday, my day off, we then did the things that needed to get done. And that worked much better. It worked much better. I think the difficulty is, I mean, there's a lot of difficulties. One difficulty that I found growing up is that Saturday is the first day off that you have of the week, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you just want to like not do anything. You just want to hang out and, and chill and take it easy. And then Sunday is like, oh, right, tomorrow's school again. Mm -hmm. So I got to make sure I get those things done. And I think if it were, if it's possible to flip those, if you do have two days, and to take the Sabbath first um, and give yourself that rest that you do need after the end of a busy week and then take the other day 
to to get things done. And that's not really an option for many people's schedules with Saturday not being church day and whatever. Mm-hmm. But but if if for whatever reason you do have that flexibility, I think that's pretty cool. And something that I've done that is not good uh, is kind of trying to split the two up over Sunday and Monday. Okay. So it's like I do some rest, some work, some rest, some work, and and I mean it's I only have one week under my belt of trying it this new way, but Monday was just much. It was much easier to do the things that needed to get done on Monday, having just taken the time on Sunday and, and not mm-hmm. done anything instead of doing a little bit on Sunday and a little bit on Monday. So I don't know. I just talked a lot, but it was an interesting weekend. So. <laughs> I loved Marina's uh, point of like it's no guilt day. Mm, There's no yeah. work and mm-hmm. no homework. Um, yeah. I mean, my whole childhood was defined by like sitting in church and thinking about all the homework I have to do when I go home. Right. Um, and just it doesn't what, really produce rest. No. Well, it doesn't <laughs> really produce rest. And like, how, how unpleasant does that make church? Mm-hmm. Right. That like Saturday by Saturday night the party's over, and so Sunday morning is like the beginning of the end of the weekend. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, and let's get into the real topic of the week. Uh, Topic of the week this week is brought to you by Women's Break. Women, please join us as we travel through psalms that guide us on our journey through the valleys and mountains of our lives. We'll be meeting in the portico as long as weather permits. Please bring a chair, a mask, and your own drink. Pre-wrapped snacks will be provided. Unfortunately, there is no child care available at this time. Women's Break, Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. and 6.45 p.m. to 8.15 PM. For more information, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash women dash fall 2020. Top of the week this week, we're talking about contentment, which is obviously something that everybody wants, uh, I hope. Often in short supply. Yeah, right? Mm. So <laughs> why is contentment hard to find? I feel like it's kind of connected to why a Sabbath is hard to do. Hmm. I think one reason why contentment is hard to find is all the comparison work that's going on through social media mm. yeah. people mm. showing their best moments in life and then people spending a lot of time just looking at nothing but everybody's best moments in life and saying my life sucks they've got to think more realistic and and that ruins your contentment when you don't mm. the comparison is what kills contentment Mm-hmm. We keep comparing ourselves to what other people have. And yeah. we, no matter how you do it, if you compare yourself to Michael Jordan, well, you lose. You, know, mm. you don't have $500 million. You don't own a basketball team. You always can find somebody who seems to have it better than you. Yeah. And probably the person that you think has it better than you is probably thinking the same thing about sure. someone else. Oh, exactly. Sure. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody in the whole world other than maybe Donald Trump who thinks <laughs> <laughs> they have it the best of anybody, you know. <laughs> He's amazing, just amazing. <laughs> I hope he writes his own eulogy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> that would be hilarious that to would listen be to. Amazing. Yeah. It's just hot takes from Bill today. There we go. Yeah, Dan, what were you? <laughs> Should have took my medicine. <laughs> 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 All right, Let's Dan, get Nancy in here. Dan, what were you? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't listen to the show. We're fine. Dan, what were you going to say? I feel like over the last few years, God's been teaching me just about contentment that's based on circumstances, based hmm. on contentment that's based on Him. Okay. And so, like, contentment that's based on like the things that are happening around me or to me, mm. you know, has really led me to wake up a lot of 
mornings, a lot go through a lot of days just with a lack of joy. Yeah. When I'm like looking for my circumstances to provide yeah. contentment and you know help to me and feeling tr- left me feeling trapped, like wishing I was somewhere else or you know that mm-hmm. something else was happening to me that isn't. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually sat down last night and came up with a list of things. Yeah. Like when I was when I was younger, I thought if only I were an adult, then oh, I'd be yeah. content. Yeah. And then only if I had a girlfriend, <laughs> then life would be like amazing. Mm-hmm. That's true. Then well, if, only, <laughs> if only I were married, then it was if only had it, we had a child of our own. Mm. If only we were debt free, mm. didn't have any loans. If only I could speak Spanish, then <laughs> I'd be like really content, right? If only I could speak Spanish better and could be like a university level and be like super fluent. If only this adoption process and all its intricacies would just, you know, go away. Then I could find yeah. contentment. Then I'd be like really like happy in that sense. Yeah. But that's just it's when we base our contentment sure. on like what's going to happen, we just get trapped in this cycle. And then when inevitably when it comes to pass, it's like it's not what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Or it, something else pops up to take its place to make you feel worried or steal away that contentment. What do you think about the idea of like circumstances being just as much like material objects mm. as like items that we own. Like, you know, if I just got a new TV or if I just got, you know, mm. a new car, like my life would be better. Mm-hmm. But thinking about like circumstances too, like you were saying of, you know, if this thing I'm worried about would go away mm-hmm. or if I just had enough ice cream sandwiches <laughs> or um, if if I could yeah. just figure out how to resolve this this fight I'm having with my friend. Yeah. I'd be so happy, but that's the thing that's holding me back like because all of those things are given to us by God. Like our mm-hmm. life circumstances mm-hmm. are given to us by God and we mm-hmm. kind of affect whether they're good or bad sometimes. Um but they're given to us just as much as objects are. And so I do think as a kid it's all about objects and then I don't know, two, three years ago for me, it was all about circumstances, right? It was like, I don't need any possessions. I just need the terms of my life to be this way. Mm-hmm. But in the end, like both of those are just material things that are not basing contentment off yeah. of, of who and God is. The secret of contentment isn't getting in, in getting everything I want. Because mm-hmm. everything, right. it's about trusting God and having what he wants happen in my life and him leading me in the direction he wants me to go. Sure. I could be wanting something and saying, I'll be content when I get this, and it could mm-hmm. be totally horrible for me. Mm-hmm. Amen. I- I'm thinking of people who do seemingly get everything they want, rich heiresses like Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. and how miserable mm-hmm. they are. That yeah. obviously it isn't in getting everything you want. It, that's a surefire formula for ruination. Mm-hmm. I want to say, which is why I'm so happy to be talking about this, that like, as with many people, I'm sure, Contentment is just something that I have really struggled with a lot, struggled to to find, um, struggled to achieve. Is contentment something you achieve? Is it something that happens to you? Like, how do we kind of define it? I think it's something that you learn. Amen. Um, I learned the secret of contentment. Yeah, mm. yeah that's, that's exactly what I'm looking oh, at right sorry. now. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't mean uh, to steal your thunder. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's a, a passage or a verse. It's just one verse that's super super famous, and it's Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Him or through Christ who strengthens me. And people take that verse and they say, like, you know, like I can do anything. I can be the president. I can mm-hmm. run a marathon. I can 
lose this weight. I can do whatever I want to do through Christ who strengthens me. But as is often the case with verses that just sound so materially encouraging, Mm -hmm. that's not what it's saying. Paul says uh, two verses earlier, because he was thanking the Philippians for their concern for him, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. It's like, I appreciate your concern for me, but not because I was you know, in any dire straits, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, any, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So perhaps a better word would be like endure or mm. or for the sake of this conversation, find contentment in. I can find contentment in all things through mm. him who strengthens mm. me. That's really what Paul is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says very explicitly, I have learned, uh, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Yeah. So wow. it's definitely something something to learn. Now, Bill, a couple Easter's ago, you gave a sermon in which you were standing on the stage and you said, Jesus does not want you to be happy, happy, happy. Uh, to, I remember that. To which my question is, does God want us to be content? It seems like the answer must be yes. And what's the difference? You know, I like this, this distinction of like learning contentment. If we change the word to learning happiness, is that going to mean the same thing? Or is there like, what's the... What's the nuance to that? I need to think about it. That's a great question. Because Jesus starts out with, blessed are the poor in spirit, or many translations, happy are. So Mm. there's these eight beatitudes that could be translated happy are. And Robert Schuller called them the be happy attitudes. Mm. And there is this balance between being content, being happy, and yet not expecting to be happy, happy, happy all the time. That that's just completely unrealistic. You don't see Jesus just skipping and jumping all through his ministry, happy, happy, happy. And, and he's our example. And happiness hmm. is an emotion. I guess I'm not thinking of contentment as much as an yeah. emotion, yeah. as it is a state of being, as it is kind of as abiding, like remaining in yeah. Christ, trusting in him not affected as much by the circumstances as happiness would be. Hmm. I think it really it really depends significantly on your internal definition of the words. Because like if you think of like I am happy when I feel this way, you know, like I'm happy when I'm laughing or whatever, or like when I'm skipping around like Bill was just saying, you know, then that's definitely, that's not hmm. right. But if you, and I don't know if anyone really internally believes this, but if you think of happiness more in terms of like joy, Mm. Um, which you could, yeah. then that gets closer to contentment. But. So while you're still loading, Bill, mm-hmm. let me follow up. Well, this could take years. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you that, didn't take that, your medicine. It's, it's going to happen. It's good of a question. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me follow that rabbit trail a little bit because I love you saying happiness. Happy is like an emotion because I've heard that before of this idea of the sachet emotions, S-A-S-H-E. Et mm-hmm. being sad, angry, um, scared, happy, excited, and tender, mm. um, and so and so those being like the core emotions that that we feel and express. And I love that it's very helpful to have a basket of emotions to choose from. Um, 
what does it look like to be sad if we're going to remove that from, you know, we're going to say contentment isn't an emotion. What does it look like to be sad and content? I think you see it at Christian funerals. Hmm. That there are people sitting on the front row with truly broken, grieving hearts because they love the person that the memorial service or funeral service is for. And yet there's this underlying contentment about their entire lives that makes for a tremendous witness to the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives and that the Christian life is very real and so radically different from the funeral service and the life of the unbelievers sitting in the front row weeping and wailing and completely consumed by grief yeah. and contentment. They may never experience it again. Mm. They, they just, it's that fleeting for them. What a stark contrast. But funerals are the first thing that come to my mind. Mm. I see a, a really clear mental picture for me of this when um, my wife and I had driven down to Peoria, Illinois, to a hospital and a specialist and trying to get some answers why we weren't able to have children. And the doctor then gave us the news, like, you're not going to be able to have kids. And on the way back up, was at like Interstate 55, I remember driving. Amber would just start, as she was crying, she started to pray. I started to praise God for who he is and thank him for his blessings. And even in, in this disappointment in the grief of it all, remembering that God is still good. It's just, it's that mental picture comes to mind of contentment even when we're sad. When Paul said, I have learned to be content, he wasn't saying that contentment was his aim. Hmm. Contentment was a byproduct. So if we make contentment our aim in life, we are going to fall into sin. Hmm. And one way is we get into that comfort zone of contentment. Now we're not really willing to live by faith. We aren't going to take these risks that God calls us to take because, hey, I like this. I'm comfortable. I'm content. Yeah. And the amazing thing is you lose your contentment that way. You mm -hmm. find yourself restless or numb and you're not really fully alive like you should be. It can lead to passivity yes. in your spiritual life in a lot of different areas of life. Yes. So contentment isn't really the bullseye. Yeah. Contentment is a byproduct of living the Christian life the way it's meant to be lived, which is by faith, by serving, praying. I think of all the one another's, I believe there's 59 in the New Testament, encourage one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. When you get outside of yourself and you don't make yourself the focal point, that is really a giant step toward contentment. I, I think it's true for both of them. If you make happiness your goal in life, you're not going to find it that way. Mm, right. I think if you're making contentment your goal, you're really making happiness your goal. Because mm. mm -hmm. I don't... Yeah. Yeah, like Bill was saying, contentment is not the bullseye. I don't even think contentment is something that you can like strive for, really. Like, it, what does that even mean? You're striving for contentment. Yeah. And did Jesus strive to be content on earth? I don't think that was his goal. Like it. His it goal was to prepare his, his disciples to preach the gospel, to heal the sick. Sure. Do what God put him here to do. And it wasn't for him to be comfortable and content and happy. Was Jesus content? Which is such this is an entirely speculation question, hmm. I think. Well, if Paul learned to be content, 
I'm pretty confident Jesus was. I think it would be so fun to be one of those 12 disciples. Every day is wildly adventurous. What is he going to do today? Hmm. That, that would just be so neat. So to push that to its natural conclusion, when Jesus is flipping tables and fashioning a whip, mm-hmm. is he angry and contented? I would say, yes, he is angry. He's not content with what's happening at the temple. But at the end of the day, he sat down and the father spoke to his spirit and said, well done, I love you, son. And, and he was content mm-hmm. in his obedience. Hmm. And I wonder, if you're talking about rest too. Jesus had that habit of resting, of getting away, even with all the crowds and the people pressing in on him and wanting him to do stuff. Of He had that habit of going away to pray. And I wonder, too, if he found his contentment in that, in those quiet moments with the Father. Yeah. Now, Bill, you brought this 400-year-old book. <laughs> yes. It's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. It was written in it was published after he died. He died in 1646, and it got published in 1648. So I'm wondering, oh, this will be fun to ask him in heaven. He might have been one of these writers who wrote the book and said to his friend, now be sure to burn all this stuff because it's <laughs> crud. And, and then the friend probably reads it and says, I've never read anything better than this in my life. <laughs> We're getting this published. You're like Virgil's Aeneid. Virgil told his friend to burn the Aeneid. Mm-hmm. And some people think the Aeneid is the greatest piece of, piece of literature ever written wow. by a human being. And you think, wow. So maybe, maybe Jeremiah Burroughs was that way too. But I've read this book at least twice. And there's a modern-day English, it's not translation, but, uh, but it's a modern-day version like a of kind this of so that you can understand it. Because, I mean, good grief, we're going back to almost Shakespeare here in right. terms of trying to understand it. So I've read this one twice, barest minimum, and then referred to it other times. And what I like about it is the last 20 pages is how to be content. And it's just really simple things to do in life that engender contentment and keep you from just beating yourself up. So, so for instance, how to attain contentment. He's got three chapters on it, and some of his subpoints are to just reflect on the abundance of mercies God bestows on you. To, this is what I do, is every morning I thank God for at least five things from the previous 24 hours. And that has really meant a lot to my life. It took me from being a negative person to having a positive outlook on life. And it precludes problems like you go through a day and 10 good things happen to you, but somebody says one thing negative to you that really just gets way down inside and you can't let it go. And you just keep thinking about that. You think about that even as you're falling asleep. And that'll just ruin not only your day, it'll ruin your life if you let that just be your lifestyle. Instead, I've learned, hey, yeah, that was bad. I hated that. But that's only one lane out of my eight-lane highway. I've got Mm. seven other things that really went good, and I need to remember that. It's easy to focus on the one negative thing. Oh, it is. I mean, we just have a propensity to it. We don't even need to be German. I think we're just all are that way. (laughs) 
Shout out to David. <laughs> um, can you give me, as someone who hears you say that, and I'm like, I, I can see how that would really help from like a positivity perspective and how that changes the way. And I think reading the Bible in the morning is the same way where all mm. of a sudden that's the lens I'm looking at my world through for the day um, or for at least the first half of my day. Um, but when you say that to me, the the crud or like the depression in me is like, I'll just like think five things and you know, I'll be like, ah, eh, whatever. Like I'm grateful for this, this and this. And then I'll go back to feeling just as bad. I think it's, it's an acquired taste. Hmm. You can't expect it to be like a light switch. You do it, bang, you know, you were happy, happy, happy. It's, it's not <laughs> like that. This is an acquired taste and it shapes your personality and it, it just turns you into a different person over time. It, it didn't turn me around in the first month, probably not even in the first year. It, it took years and years of this for it to seep deep inside my spirit and change who I am. I think a lot of things in, when it comes to faith and life with Christ are like that, that it's more like a process than an instant flicking on and off of a light switch, you know? Like seeking wisdom, for example, is like the same. Like God's probably not going to give you a wisdom dump like he did with Solomon, who ended up not being so wise after all in some of his decisions, but yeah. it's usually it's a process. It's an acquired taste, like you're saying, Bill, with yeah. a lot of things. So we shouldn't give up. I guess to end, I want to ask, um, and and I appreciate what we've said about contentment not being the goal, contentment not being the bullseye, but being a byproduct. Honestly, would you say that you are content now, today? I'll start and I will say no. Well, today I would say yes. I'm having a great day. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, you should be able to be content even if you're having a bad day, because Paul writes Philippians from prison, which makes it that much more powerful. Here's a mm. man in prison saying he's content. But that just shows me that there's way more distance to travel towards contentment, that it's not dependent on the sun is shining today, and I got to stretch for a an hour and do kettlebells for a half hour. My, my body just feels so good because of that. Uh, just get all of the stiffness out of it. And the good things are happening from what I read this morning. I, I, just lots of good things. And, and I love being here. So yeah, I'm content today. Nice. But I'm, I've got high hopes that I'm going to be content tomorrow when maybe it's raining. I'm content today as well. Content to be a child of God, be loved by the Lord, be married to a wonderful woman and have a great daughter be able to work here at this church and serve the Lord. I'm content in that. Does that mean that my life, everything is hunky-dory? That sounds really old. Um, sorry. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> I love that. Edit, edit in. What do the kids say now? It doesn't mean that everything, that there's nothing that couldn't be improved or that I, that there's nothing that, nothing wrong. Like I just got right. off the phone with a family member today that is a really troubling situation. And mm. man, we've got to pray about this because it's something very near and dear to my family and my life, my heart. But I don't want to let those circumstances take away that contentment I find in Christ. Mm. Not that I can't be empathetic and help and pray in that, but I want to remain focused on my identity as God's child, mm. find contentment in that. But yeah, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. Interestingly, uh, I was FaceTiming my parents on Monday, and I brought up a 
section from Philippians uh, because it pertained to a song that we were talking about. And <clears throat> my mom, I guess, has been going through a study on Philippians, and she kind of of her own accord brought up this passage that I mentioned earlier in Philippians 4, uh, and she was trying to remember what the translation of the word that we have as content was. And, and she's like, it's something like, you know, your heart isn't disquieted or, or something like that. And so I think, I think that I am, I don't know if this is allowed, I don't know if it's strictly a yes or no question, but I think that I am mostly content. I think that there is like one or two things that my heart is disquieted about. I don't know if it's, if it's like Jesus in the temple where it's like, this is, it's good that this is disquieting me. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's like, no, this is something I need to, to let go. Sure. So I'm not sure. So it might be yes or it might be mostly dead. Uh, mostly <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, think I can definitely empathize with what Dan said. Mm. I'm always a big fan of the answer. I don't know. I love the answer. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that answer, <laughs> except for on the SAT. Actually, mm-hmm. SAT doesn't dock you points for skipping questions. That's you know, true. When I, when I took it, they did. I skipped a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> they did really bad. <laughs> you know, I had to get it again. So I, thought I, I thought there was no penalty for it. Mm-hmm. Oh. But that was also like 15 years ago. Well, I've got a story <laughs> like that. As a sixth grader, they had to take standardized tests, and they just kept emphasizing, take your time, take your time. Oh, man. That's my middle name. Take your time. I went so slowly, I didn't take half the test. You know? just, <laughs> so next year, I show up in seventh grade. I'm with all these kids that are just about ready to drive cars. You know, they're 15 years old in the seventh grade and shaving, and you know, they're getting a lot of trouble. And man, that was a pretty wild year for me. Those guys. <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, and or things for Bill to give a hot take about. Ooh, <laughs> standardized tests. I was going to say SAT scores tests. to podcast at BloomingdaleChurch.org. Uh, for our closing segment this week, this is episode 26, which means we have been recording these every week for a half a year. Hooray! So to each of you, I say happy, All right. happy, 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 half anniversary. Half anniversary. <laughs> Um, and uh, the way that we traditionally celebrate half anniversaries in my family uh, is by praying for Morgan Lang, who is in the process of giving birth to twins right now. <laughs> All right. In your family, you do that. Yeah. Is that a long-standing tradition? Oh, going back generations. <laughs> All right. uh, Dan, would you start? And Bill, you can close. Okay. Sure. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of life, the miracle that it is. And we're just so thrilled for Morgan and Mickey and their family, Lord, their growing family. Pray your best upon them today. We pray uh, just health upon the babies and upon Morgan as well, and that we very soon be getting great news about the birth of their beautiful baby girls. I echo that, Lord, and pray for not only a healthy baby and a healthy Morgan, but that these children grow up to be real princess warriors in your kingdom. Mm -hmm. They come to know you early in life and are spared the scars that come with sin that they make not only mom and dad and grandma and grandpa proud of them, but you yourself look upon them with real joy and satisfaction that here are two young women who live all out for you. Thank you, Jesus, that she's able to have these babies, and we pray your best on Morgan right now. Amen. 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 
I wasn't expecting you to close immediately. <laughs> I was expecting Scott and I to get a turn. Oh, well, that got to be clear. There it is. Uh, this, it's not you really didn't take your medicine today. It's not too late for I you guys no to pray medicine. and edit it. You can pray and you can edit it. You can splice it. No, yeah, you can do that. No, you, it, you've ruined the it. The moment's gone. It's over. God's not listening anymore. <laughs> She's already given birth. Speaking of which, uh, you said warrior princesses. Does anybody have any guesses about names? Actually, I said princess warrior. One of mine is Xena. I think that's a pretty mm, good guess for a name. That is a good name. Purely because you just said princess warriors. Yeah. Um, any, any name guesses, Dan? Leia. Ooh, I think they're gonna Leia. go. Princess Leia. That yeah, would be I fitting. Think, you know, they, they are a very big Star Wars. How about fans. Hermione? Okay, Leia. And I Hermione. thought that that was actually gonna be Emery's name, like when they announced that she was a girl. I think mm. they said something about like Hermione, and I thought that was what they were actually naming her. Mm. Oh. But it was not. <laughs> so I'm going with Xena and Hermione, <laughs> the twins. <laughs> Scott, I think one of them will be Michaela. Ooh, named after Mickey. Yep. And the other one will actually be Buggle Snuggle. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain Buggle Snuggle to... Wow. Uh, I don't know exactly how it happened. I think I heard it from Chelsea. But my understanding is that they have the names picked out, but a certain member of their family is very chatty. And, Mickey. Um, yeah. And so I think <laughs> he might have let loose Emery Early. prematurely yeah. last time. And so I don't know if like he came up with the names or if they told him that these were the names, <laughs> but in their conversations with Adrian, the twins are Snuggle Buggle and Buggle Snuggle. <laughs> <laughs> At least uh, for now, but soon there won't be that. It's anymore. not a bad nickname, Bill. Hmm. Do you have a guess about a name? Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> Go on. You rang. I wouldn't be surprised if they came up with something that had some Arabic in it, too, hmm. because they've spent yeah. some time there. That would be sweet. I'm sure there's some beautiful Arab names, but I'm, I'm not up on Arabic, so I, I would know. love if there's an Arabic name that can be split in, into two. Like also, If there's like a compound name that mm -hmm. they like, they're a unit, but they're separate. Mm -hmm. That sounds like something from a movie. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. That would be cool. Um, well. mm. I could tell you a story. Okay. All right. So in eighth grade, we had <laughs> to take just... standardized tests again. Okay. And again, they're emphasizing, take your time, take your time. And I'm thinking, the last thing I'm going to do is take my time. I am going to run through this thing as fast and furiously as I can. Extreme. So then on that test, I'm way out there. I mean, just way up there. Okay. And I find myself in class with these people that have heads that are like this big. I never even saw these people before in this school. It's like, whoa. I was in so far over my head with these kids. It's just like, man, I'm, I'm like the dumbest kid in the whole world compared to these people. Woo. Man, you had a rough middle school. Yeah, middle school is not something you want to relive. True that. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Just thank you, Bill. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. Bill, take us home. It has to be him. <laughs> Who else? You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Bill, have you and David gotten into physical altercations? Oh, sure.
what do you mean, oh, sure? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ah, yeah. Speaking of it, let me put this over here. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> well, we were kids. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, we're so, not talking about 50-year-old sure, 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 sure. men getting into Well, right, so after the age of 17... Did you have you two? Well, we would still wrestle and stuff when we were in college. Yeah. Even in seminary, we'd do stuff like that. 